When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Hello, Bulls fans, and welcome to the CHGO Bulls podcast presented to you by PointsBet. Use promo code CHGO when you sign up to live your bet life. I am Mark K from Australia, and joining me, as always, is Will, the Goat Gottlieb. William, how are you, sir? I'm great. It's been a long day, but I got to tell you, this is what I've been looking forward to, so I'm, I'm happy to be talking Bulls with you, mate. <laughs> well, it's certainly, it's not what you said beforehand, before we got recording, so <laughs> I just want people to know what you actually said beforehand was far more um, discouraging for me, for me on a personal level. And I, I'm, I'm suggesting that you on the mic are a different person than what you are off mic. And I just want the, well, I want the people to know that, that you're not as nice uh, as what you seem to be. There is a dark side of me that <laughs> the people, <laughs> that the people are fortunate to not have to know. Like sometimes well, when, when things are bad with the bulls, it's just, it's hard, but I try to turn it on for you, Mark. Well, thank you. Only when we're recording that is, but nonetheless, I'll uh, I'll deal with your <laughs> your darkness in the background on uh, on behalf of. The, I'll, I'll wear that burden on behalf of the, uh, the you know the listeners. They don't have to deal with that. I'll deal with that just because that's the kind of person I am. But nonetheless, we are, I am excited to be talking to you this week about our beloved Bulls, who are three games into their preseason campaign, and you know two and one thus far through three games. It's been not perfect, but it's been pretty good, pretty pretty, pretty good. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. Uh, no, you're right. And I think it's interesting to to think about just like preseason in general, right? Because when you remember back to last year, everything immediately clicked. Lonzo was yeah. flying up and down the court. They were shooting mm-hmm. threes. They're getting in transition. Caruso was like diving out of bounds like Dennis Rodman. DeMar DeRozan was prime MJ. Zach Levine was like out here doing his thing. I mean, they were just, they were looking like the best version of themselves right away. And I think this year, despite continuity, there is much more of a learning curve. And uh, uh, certainly from Billy and like the team of just like, let's, Slow it down here, guys. We know that there's going to be this process that we're going to have to go to. And it doesn't have to click right away because the idea is that we'll we'll build this more sustainable style of offense and tighten up the defense to where it's, you know, at its best towards the end of the season. So it's sort of an interesting juxtaposition there just in terms of, like, the, the way that they're talking about it and the way that they're performing. But I agree. Um, some good, some bad. Yeah, definitely. And look, that's why I'm taking this preseason campaign somewhat seriously and, and generally maybe in years past, particularly when you, well, I guess when they were playing you know, six or eight preseason games in years past, that hasn't necessarily been the case lately. But 
when you've only got three or four preseason games, like they all matter at this point. And as you noted, like last year, it was a good uh, foundation for the team. Like it, w- what they did in preseason carried over into the regular season. So from that point of view, like if, if we want to uh, uphold or take last last preseason games of matter and, and, and you know, talk about them in in reference and of them being obviously quite good, good and in, you know of uh, of high of highest qualities. Then we should be applying that same logic here uh, here as well, in the sense that these preseason games matter and what we're seeing, hopefully, in these few preseason games that we have played, that this this is also will carry over into the regular season. And, and like I said, like for the most part, it has been largely good. There's obviously been a couple of talking points that we'll discuss later in the show that we maybe have been less good on, <laughs> which we'll get into. wonder what that could be. Like, yeah, I wonder what that could be. I, I'm not going to lead with that. I'll, I'll keep the people guessing. But I, like one of the things that has been um, you know, really promising has been the, the play of Nikola Vucevic. And, and like I said, like if, if we're looking back at last preseason and you mentioned like the way Caruso and, and Lonzo sort of just came in and DeMar, to be fair, like the way they just came in and everything just went, you know, swimmingly from, from the jump, like, that that is the hope now with Vooch as well because he has looked fantastic in pro season thus far. Uh, the, the shot looks a lot better. He looks more comfortable in offense. The way he's scoring has been um, interesting to see. Like I don't know if a lot has changed from my vantage point. It kind of just seems like he's more comfortable and making quicker reads more so than his role changing too much. Maybe you disagree, but nonetheless, like the output is significantly better than what we saw last season from Vooch. Now, obviously, the the caveat here is is, is it's only preseason. These games ultimately don't matter. But like we just sort of spoke about, I, I kind of feel like they do matter because they are a good foundation or a good springboard into the regular season. So I guess the first question, Will, is like, is what we're seeing from Vooch here real? Is it sustainable? And I mean, what is different in your eyes in terms of how he's approaching it? I think my whole like point of what I was just saying is that like, this is absolutely real. And I think what we're seeing here matters. I know that the wins and loss column doesn't matter. um, And that, you know, they're not going to go all out trying to win all these games. I mean, they're playing the third stringers down the stretch in the fourth quarter. And um, you know, the starters are only playing like 20, 25 minutes. That's fine. But like Billy has been saying, you have to, you have to create an identity now or one gets created for you. And Mm -hmm. if you don't make it the one that you want, then you know, some other identity, some other version of yourself that you don't necessarily like is what's going to come out of this preseason. And so I think they're taking it seriously. Um, I know some teams don't take it as seriously. Like some of the Nuggets guys were saying that they're like, they want to skip preseason altogether. But I do think this is important for the Bulls specifically and for Vucevic even more than that, because you're right. I mean, I think he he's obviously playing really well. Um, I don't think anything, I'll put it this way. To, to finish plays, I'm not sure there's too much different um, as far as, you know, a lot of what the Bulls do ends up in a high screen and roll or a post up or a pick and pop three. That's just like the way that it works with the Bulls and with all teams. But I do think that there's some early actions, some process oriented stuff going on that is making Vooch. It's putting him in positions to succeed a little bit more. And so I really appreciate the way that Billy has sort of just reconstructed the early parts of the offense um obviously a clear emphasis on pushing the ball in transition but i think even in the half court they recognize how much they struggled to create anything 
that wasn't a DeMar elbow jumper last year. And he mm-hmm. would be able to get to the free throw line or get to the bucket or whatever. But like everything stemmed out of the elbow for DeMar. And so the emphasis this training camp has been, how do we get Vooch moving, you know, setting pin-ins, pin-outs on the, on the wing, trying to get him and Zach into these little two-man games? How do we put him in a position to like put his skills on display? Because last year, I mean, he was only taking four threes a game, but he was doing a lot of pick and popping and a lot of pick and roll, short roll passing. And he's fine at both of those things. I think he's actually very good at the passing aspect of it. The shooting obviously wasn't quite there last year, but I I think that the way that they're involving him and really everybody else throughout the early parts of the offense is really helping him get more comfortable and get him to his spots. Like we saw a couple of times on back-to-back plays this past game against the Raptors where there was a little two-man action to get Zach coming off a pin down. And then that led into a post-up and one time Vooch kicked it out to Zach for three. And the second time he had a nice little spin move hook shot. So I, I like the way that they're trying to just move pieces around the chessboard a little bit to try to get Vooch more involved. And it seems like he's really getting there with it. Yeah, the, yeah, I don't necessarily disagree too much with him or much of that at all, to be honest with you. Like, uh, he's he's been really good. Um, I don't know how. Like, there, there's certain things that have changed, and, and like I said before, maybe it's just the way. And, and this is the argument for continuity. Like, once you get to play with guys more, that 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 read or that reaction, that comfort that you have in, with playing with guys, that you, you just instinctively make plays a lot quicker. So, the, like that has been the 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 thing that I've seen. Um, more from Vooch, like he's maybe not hesitating as much, whether it's his jumper or trying to find someone or, or you know, when he's in pick and roll situations with Damar or, or Levine, like maybe they're not necessarily second guessing as to what Vooch wants or those sorts of things. So it just kind of feels like they've, they've been playing for a while now and because of that, he feels more comfortable and he's, he's adjusted to that role. But like the, the, the amusing thing to me is um, so much of the conversation around Vooch has been his three-point shot uh, in, on media day in, in during uh, during preseason training, all that sort of stuff, training camp. Like he talked about getting to his, his usual spots, maybe turning down the three-point volume and those sorts of things. Or well, he concentrated last season too much on the three-point volume. Well, uh, I, I guess the irony to me is like his three-point shooting has been really good in preseason. And during preseason, he's a- averaging just a shade under four threes a game which is less than what he did last season. But obviously in preseason, he's playing significantly less minutes. He's like, let's just say 20 playing 25 minutes a game. So his his three-point attempts on a per-minute basis is actually up in preseason. His three-point attempt rate um, is up in preseason. Now, obviously, small sample size, given it's only three games, and I'm comparing that to last season. But it's just interesting that given the conversation of uh, or the narrative of last season and it bleeding into you know the off season and training camp and those sorts of things about how Bush is going to play closer to the basket, going to play closer into the post or more in the paint and maybe turn off the three point shot to the or at least to not to the same degree. But in, in preseason, it's kind of been the opposite thing where he has been super dependable from three to the point where in certain games it's been making up forty to fifty percent of his offense. Yeah, and I think a lot of it actually. I mean, it is ironic to your point that like he's actually shooting less threes last year than he did the year before. Yeah. But I think yeah. it's it's like it's a function of mindset as far as like I feel like my shots have to come from like it, I know that the, 
maybe the majority of my space is going to be around the three point line and less like this is the shot that I'm getting. Like this is where I'm going to be operating from. This is the position on the floor where I'm going to be spending the most time. And so when you do start to miss your shots or feel uncomfortable there, you're still stuck there. And I think the idea of trying to move him around and put him at the elbow a little bit more, put him at the block a little bit more, even in the corner, they've been trying to play around with him there. He had a couple of corner threes over the course of the last few games, which uh, Billy kind of noted during preseason. I'm just like, I don't think he's ever really played there. So it's interesting to try to test out these new things because he has really spent the majority of his career in sort of that middle tunnel of the floor, whether it's above the break or, you know, below. But um, I think it's, it's more just like, the idea of the the shot isn't working from this point, but this is the only point where I'm going to get the shot. So volume Mm. aside, like I just feel uncomfortable. And I, I do think that there's something there at the same time, like you've been shooting that shot for years. And like, this is a huge part of your game. It's a huge part of who you were in Orlando. And so I, I do think it's just like, like, I think Patrick struggles with this too, where it's, you know, I, I'm being asked to do a specific thing and I know I can do it, but if I don't do it well, and I know that like the next time the ball is going to come back to me, I'm going to have to take the same shot in the corner. Like I'm going to feel uncomfortable doing that if I can't get involved in some other capacity. And that's why like this spread pick and roll style, ISO ball style, I just don't think works for the Bulls. Um, I think a lot of the times you'll end up, you know, defaulting into it just at the end of a possession. But the idea is, and it remains to be seen whether any of this works. Like, I think we've seen flashes of it. I'm not saying I totally buy into it, but this is the the argument from Billy is like, if we can mix it up a little bit through, for like, you know, seconds 24 to 10 of the shot clock and try to get guys into different spots and feel more a part of a system and, you know, get the ball moving. I think that there's some hope with that. But, you know, the other the other side of that is like, well, if you want, guys that can move the ball around and shoot and pass and cut. Like, why don't you go out and sign any buddy with that skill set? Cause what the, <laughs> what the guys on the team have is not that. Well, that's what I was about to say. You made reference to the fact that uh, the bulls maybe don't play a great, you know, spread picker roll type offense. Well, it's, it's kind of hard to do that when you're, you're last in the last in the league in three point attempt rate. And we'll talk about that a little bit later on in terms of maybe not much changing on that front, which is not unexpected, but uh, yeah, I, I guess. Yeah, I just I just found it like I said, kind of ironic that, that so much conversation around Vooch has been his jump shot, and thus far at least, he's still taking a lot of threes. It's still a major source of his offense, and through three games, he's he shot the three ball really well. And what else he's been doing is you know playmaking fantastically well. Like he's averaging three assists in preseason thus far, and again, that number is comparable to his regular season numbers from last season but like I, like I mentioned before he's doing it on significant uh, significantly lower minutes meaning obviously he's having more assists per on a on a per minute basis he's having more assists per game essentially so again three games preseason those caveats apply but nonetheless you know it's the way he's finishing has been noticeable but I, I think the way the Bulls have been using him is that um, you know connecting Harvin on off on offense has been really interesting as well and now without Lonzo like you kind of needed to use utilize Vooch's passing maybe more than what they did last season, and maybe now he has more of an opportunity to do so. But uh, like today, for example, against um, against the Raptors, there were just a lot of situations in pick and roll again as the roll man where Vooch was just slinging that ball around. And you know, yes, the Bulls don't have fantastic shooters around them, but imagine if they did. This dude would be averaging four, five, six, maybe even more 
assists per game because he's a fantastic part a passer. So like, if anything else, like what I have been most impressed about uh, this off uh, sorry this preseason with Vooch has been his passing and. If there's anything that is sustainable about Vooch's game and going into the regular season in terms of how he's approaching offense, it's certainly his passing. And like I hope that continues to materialize into the regular season because that's a weapon that the Bulls probably didn't use a lot of last season. And I, and I kind of hope they do lean on it more um, going forward. And that, that's my hope, at least, because I, th- I actually think that's his best skill, his passing. He's, he's a fantastic passer, and, and I hope they utilize that more. And I think, I mean, this is kind of a corny thing to say, but I think that what they're weaponizing most with him is his mindset and the fact that like, he's not going to be whether, whether or not he actually is pigeonholed, like he felt pigeonholed last year. And Mm so to, to feel like he's more involved, that there's more stuff going on around him, which I think is more comfortable from his Orlando days. I think that does open up not just the passing, which I agree is like one of his better skill sets, but I mean, you're seeing it in his pick and roll defense. He's much higher to the level of the screen. Tonight was a little different. They were doing some switching stuff and um, he was dropping back a little bit further, but I don't know if that was scheme based, but uh, I I thought he's done a really nice job, you know, meeting the, the ball handler at the level of the screen. I thought he's done a really nice job in the post of both scoring and kicking it out. I mean, he just looks more comfortable out there. And I think you, you do really have to credit um, just like this, this new system of play that they've adopted, which is really just like, don't make DeMar do everything, like move the ball around guys. Yeah, yeah exactly. But uh, look, we have to start with Vooch. I wanted to start with Vooch one because I'm the noted Vooch apologist, but I think it's just fair. Like he's been really damn good in preseason and given the amount of uh, detractors he had last season, um, I think he deserves some love when he does play well. And like I said, hopefully this is signs that uh, he's he's up for a bounce back season. And I think it's more than more than capable. Well, he's more than capable of producing one. Uh, really, and like really one more thing him. to add. One more thing yeah. to add there is like his yeah. box score numbers looked pretty good. The scoring, the rebounding, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, the three point shot was not there, but I do think that we're going to get a more productive and effective version of Vooch in this sort of system, regardless of whether his shot is falling. Like, I think he's just going to be more impactful as a player Mm. when he's more involved because the passing is really good. You want to see the movement side to side. You want to see him be able to beat those four on three situations. And I think he's going to be doing that at a better rate when he's more involved. Yeah. Well, look for his sake, I hope so, given it's a contract here for him. So um, he most definitely will be uh, hoping to be more involved, more engaged, playing better respectively of his jumper. But Nonetheless, that last part, the jumper, his efficiency, like that will go play a big part into what his next deal looks like. So, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens with Fuchs. But we have to start there. We will uh, continue the podcast and start talking about his front court pairing. But uh, before we do that, maybe we do some ad reads, uh, ad reads William. And um, can we start with some Green Ridge Farms? Do it to it. Cool. I want to tell you all who are listening about our friends at Green Ridge Farm. So if you're unaware, Green Ridge Farm is a Chicago local meat and cheese company offering you the better all-natural option. Have you frequented their stores there, William? Have you get your hands on some Green Ridge Farms protein sticks, chicken? I have not beef? tried them yet, but I've heard great things. And There you go. Aren't you, well, why don't you tell me some more great things? <laughs> I'm going to. <laughs> One great thing about them is they are perfect for tailgating, happy hours, even school lunches. Do you do you, do you pack your lunch to uh, lunch for the CHU office? Do you 
I'm, I'm sure you I have do. to. Like, I do, and I pack it for Bulls games. There you go. Well, pack it it's for dinner, like, Greenwich right Farms. Like for me, William, I'm having. I'm hopeful. Hopefully, I'm happy having a uh, a gym session after we're we're done recording this. If I can be asked, but if I if I can be post meal straight as soon as I'm done. I'm slamming so many damn sticks down my throat. 16 grams of protein per stick. That makes them the perfect, perfect post-workout snack. So whether you're into chicken, beef, like I said, uh, they've got a million different flavors, jalapeno, jalapeno, cheddar, spicy chili. They've got it all. So if you haven't tried it, you don't know what you're missing, literally. So I know uh, Matt Peck is the meat, a big meathead amongst us, but um, I'm sure there's um, a lot of listeners as well tuning in who are herbivores, carnivores, whatever you may be, um, who love their meat. So if that is you, then uh, head over to Green Ridge Farms where right now you can order any three any three meat products at greenridgefarm.com and include a pack of meat sticks in your cart. Those meat sticks will be free simply by using the code CHGO at checkout. How good is that, William? That sounds what great. But before you, before you do that, what you should do is start your day with some athletic greens i started taking athletic greens about seven eight months ago now wow chgo has been around for such a long time uh i started taking it right when we started up at chgo and they were one of our first partners and i love it i feel like it's really helped my gut health my energy and i even i think my biggest uh accomplishment with it is having matt peck matt peck start using it which i thought would be something that i would never see but Um, all it is, is one scoop of 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced superfoods, probiotics, and yeah, the adaptogens, the adaptogens. It's a special blend of ingredients that supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy recovery, focus, and aging, all of those things that you want to improve. Um, like I said, I started taking it and it's really helped with my health. It's also lifestyle friendly, whether you're keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free, it contains less than a gram of sugar. So you don't have to worry about GMOs, nasty chemicals, artificial flavoring, or anything like that. And it still tastes great. So make sure that it is something that you try out. I really do uh, use it, uh, use it and like you. And for you, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition It's just one scoop in water every day. That's it. No need for a million pills or supplements or anything like that. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you one free year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five, how many? Five. 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 How does he say it? I can't. Five. I can't do it. Uh, And five travel packs with your first purchase, all you need to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash CHGO Bulls. That's athleticgreens.com slash CHGO Bulls to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Can I tell you someone who has been taking ownership of their health? Have you been? No, not me. Stevante Green. I mean, he's oh, slamming Javante. down that AG. Oh, man. my God. Somebody he... in the comments tonight said that. And I just, I, my mind was blown. I don't know if you saw this in the comments of our post game show said we should make a shirt. That's just athletic green with a picture of Javante dunking from the freaking free throw line. <laughs> that, that's, that's good. That is good. I mean, he, he, he needs to hit them up before, you know, get on that sponsorship as well. Like he needs, 
get that endorsement deal, Javante, but he's slamming down his AG1s. He's slamming down that Greenridge Farms. He's on some sort of bulk at the moment because that dude is playing un, um, just amazing at the moment. He, I don't know, This is my natural transition now to, to talking about the power forward rotation because uh, like, coming into this season, William, like the big talking point, uh, I guess, from a positional point of view, like the, the open question that we're all wondering was about point guard, like who's going to start, who's going to close, what, what's the, what are the po- possible options for Billy Donovan? I didn't expect to be talking about power forward i thought this whole preseason campaign like the, the narrative around it would be who's the point guard going to be who's the point guard going to be should it be i or should it be caruso but instead we're talking about power forward and we're talking about javante green and patrick williams because whilst vooch has been maybe the most productive and uh interesting storyline on the court i guess the next best thing has been uh, the play of Javante Green, who just seemingly can't miss a jump shot in in preseason, jumping literally from the free throw line against the Raptors, uh, an amazing second half from Javante Green, who for whatever reason didn't play much in the in the first half of this game. Billy is throwing that power forward rotation around, and as as good as he has been, Patrick Williams has been maybe the complete opposite. So, like I said, I didn't expect to be talking about the power forward rotation. I didn't expect this to be an open competition. It seemingly is. We have to talk about it because it, like I said, it's probably the biggest storyline right now um, surrounding the Bulls in preseason. So let's start here, William. Three games, three different starters that Billy uh, that Billy has used uh, at power forward. Uh, do you think we're getting any closer to understanding who he's going to settle with in terms of who his starting night power forward will be next week against the Heat? I think he's going to go with the all Montenegrin power forward center combination. <laughs> did you know that Javante is an American Montenegrin citizen? I did not. I uh, assumed you were talking about uh, Simonovich. No, no. Uh, Javante Green, I'm just looking at his Wikipedia right now, is an American Montenegrin professional basketball player. I had no idea. Uh, yeah. But, I mean, Arturis has a way with the uh, with the Euro guys, I guess, because Javante has clearly been the best player. Uh, I don't think either of us really wanted to rub this in anybody's face, but, like, we kind of both saw it coming as far as, like, both fit and just, like, readiness to be a contributor. Javante... And we talked about it a lot last year, but like Javante in the role of 18 to 20 minutes a game, unlimited energy, literally dunking from the free throw line in a game, getting steals, hitting threes, four point plays, seven for eight from the field. Like this is the kind of star role player that you absolutely need to have next to Damar and Zach and Vooch if you want to be good. And like, Mm -hmm. I think Patrick one day could be significantly better than what Javante is right now, both in role and in like, tier of role right like he's not going to be he's not going to be a spot up like cutter defender guy like in a in a best case scenario for Patrick he has the ball in his hands more he's creating offense he's defending you know bigger wings and things like that but I think it's just going to take more time and Billy right now I I asked him about it like he's kind of responded sharply about like not just giving Patrick possessions just to let him grow let him grow and um i get why i mean he wants he's in the business of winning basketball games and you have to find a way to develop patrick in a way that works for him clearly playing next to damar and zach and vooch is not really working for him and so i think they need to start experimenting both for patrick and for the betterment of the team as well like clearly javante is 
you know, better next to the the core three guys. The Bulls play better with him in there. They need the things that he provides that Patrick is not providing. And it gives Patrick an opportunity to maybe have more of those possessions or play alongside more of a um, traditional point guard in Goran Dragic off the bench, who I think is going to have an impact on him. So it's, it's a bummer. I think we were all hoping that Patrick would be ready to take a step and I haven't seen anything that indicates to me that he is taking a step. And if anything, sadly to say, I really feel like it's going to be, it sort of feels like it's sliding the other way. Like it seems like he's regressing a little bit. Yes. Yes. And um, I'm just trying to gauge here how harsh I'm wanting to be. Uh, Cause I don't want to come off like a complete douchebag, but you and I both wrote about Patrick over the weekend. Um, You had a more rosy view than what I had, which is not maybe, not unsurprising for people listening who maybe know my views on Patrick Williams. I'm not, but I do, I do want to say, I do want to say quickly, I don't think our opinions are different. I think it's just the direction that we're going with them, but go ahead. Yeah. I think we both feel similarly about him as a player in terms of what we ultimately think about his scope in terms of what type of player he can be. And the fact that he can eventually be a good player. I've spoken on this podcast before that I've, I feel he can materialize into a good player. I don't think he's a star player in the making, but I still think he can be good. But this is the worst outcome for the Bulls. I, I don't care what anyone says, and I understand what you've written, and I think what you have written is fair, and I agree with a lot of it, that maybe it does make sense for Patrick to be in the second unit and he can be more effective in the second unit um, he can get more opportunities in the second unit than he otherwise wouldn't get in the starting unit. That that all makes sense. And I think that is fair to position it that way. And maybe that is the best thing for Pat. But from a Bulls perspective, and as much as I love Javante Green and as much as I've loved in, uh, you know what he's done in preseason, if we're all being serious, if we're all being honest with ourselves, had we had said prior to the preseason that Patrick Williams would be coming off the bench after one preseason game because Billy's not oh, confident in him Like that's the absolute worst case scenario. And all we've talked about all off season, you, me, Matt, Dave, every single Bulls fan has been a conversation around for the Bulls to reach that next point in their development or to reach a, a ceiling that maybe, um, you know, Devine, uh, sorry, Levine, DeRozan and Vucevic can't actually take you. Like Pat was meant to be that guy that, help get you to another point. Like, and that's that's something that a tourist has effectively put on Pat because they didn't change the roster. They haven't added any real depth at power forward beyond what was already on the roster. Anything that was going to happen from the Bulls in terms of taking that next step was going to come through internal development. And if Pat is coming off the bench as a backup power forward who may or may not close games, may or may not start games, seemingly isn't comfortable playing next to your three best players, guys who most definitely will be closing games. How can this not be like the worst possible outcome for the Bulls, even if Pat, you know, plays better in the second unit? Now, obviously, again, this is only three games. There's a lot of time for Pat to correct this. And maybe this run in the second unit will get his confidence up. Maybe he'll explore things that he wouldn't otherwise would have all those sorts of things. And, and maybe he's a better player for this experience. Well, well, time will tell obviously, but based on the variables as they sit right now, like this is just the absolute worst case scenario for me. And and I, 
what's annoyed me the last couple of days is how some Bulls fans have been talking about that this is fine and, you know, this this will work out okay. Like, no, you weren't saying this literally a week ago. Had you been had you been given the situation where someone had told you that Pat Williams was coming off the bench because in the first preseason game he was bad and Billy didn't wasn't sold on him going into year three, like, this is really bad. I don't, I don't, I don't care what anyone else says. Like this, this is, it's just bad. And we have to talk about it. And the fact that Javante is even in this situation to be an option at starting power forward, like as great as that is for Javante, as amazing that is for, for us Javante fans, like this is really bad from a Patrick Williams perspective. It's bad from, I think a bull's perspective. I think it's a short term, it's a short term, um, yeah, they're just like trying to plug a short-term hole because Patrick Williams there is leaving a lot to be desired, right? I mean, he's just not the player that they wanted him to be. And I think more than that is, you know, they don't think he's going to be in the near future because they're they're not like letting him work into that role. I'm not making too much of the fact that he hasn't started the last two preseason games. I think if there's an area of like how serious you take preseason starting power forward for me is not one of them. They started Dirk Jones today. They started Javante the other night and Patrick in game one, Javante played the second half with the starters today. I think Javante is going to be the starter, but I don't think this is like now Patrick Williams is on the fringes of the rotation. I think he's too important to what the team does right now. But yeah, I mean, if you're looking at it from like a, a draft pick perspective or like a return on investment perspective um, or just like hoping that Patrick Williams turns into a player. I mean, it's really discouraging. And the reason I say that I think it's a good idea is because I think it makes the bulls better now because Javante is better with that starting lineup. And I am hopeful that Billy will be able to massage the rotations and get Patrick minutes with, Goran Dragic and Zach Levine without DeMar DeRozan, where he can have the ball in his hands a little bit more, where he can be a little bit more featured, whether it's as a screener or as a ball handler. Um, I just don't think him standing in the corner and waiting for two or three catch-and-shoot threes per game is really conducive to his success. And it's not conducive to the Bulls' success either. So they need to try to they need to try something else with him because what they're doing is not working. And so that's what gives me some hope that you know, he's talked about it. Kobe has talked about it. Dragic has talked about it. Like Goran Dragic is going to help those guys understand the game a little bit better because he can put them in the right spots. He can move the chess pieces around. I think they both need that. And so maybe it's not going to be for the 36 minutes a night that we had hoped Patrick was going to play, but I do think he'll be better off for it. It's going to take longer than we would hope, but it does in some weird, maybe maybe sort of backwards way, give me more confidence in him because I think the Bulls are now, in the same way that they're addressing this season as though Lonzo's not going to be there, they're kind of moving forward almost, it seems, with a starting lineup that does not include Patrick. And that allows them to take some of that pressure that we've talked about on Patrick that's just too much. I think it it removes some of that. and And hopefully on the bench, he can start to, put some of the pieces together and build some confidence because he just, I mean, he's got like Wendellitis, but I think there's a reason why guys like Wendell and Kobe and Chris Dunn and Lowry Markinen and Zach Levine to a certain extent, there's a reason those guys didn't develop when they were playing with the bulls. It's because they didn't have a point guard who was like facilitating things and helping them. It was just like throw the ball out and let the kids play. 
And I thought that, you know, at that time, I thought that that was going to be good for them because they just needed reps. But now I kind of see how valuable that sort of floor general can be for guys. Um, you know, you look at the Jordan Poole example. I know that's like a disaster right now with Draymond, but like Andre Godala and Draymond really took Jordan Poole under their wing and helped him understand how to be in the flow of that offense. Same thing with Chris Paul and DeAndre in another situation that is probably a little toxic, but like he really, Chris Paul really helped Aiton understand how to be a screener and roller. And I think that really paid dividends for, for DeAndre Aiton. I mean, it got all messed up, but like he's a max player now. And I really think having a point guard that will help just instruct and teach him and put him in the right positions. I think that will help him grow and build some confidence because right now it just seems like everything that they're doing adds more pressure and that just takes away confidence. And then it's this just vicious cycle of him not being good enough and then doubting himself because he's not good enough. And then he's playing worse and then he's not good. And then he's doubting himself and it's just not working. So they need to try something else. And I think this could be helpful. I'm not saying it will, but I hope that it will be. My issue with that though is, then why is Devontae able to be successful? Like, why is Caruso able to make plays and reads off ball that enable him to function with these starters? Why can Io do it? Now, if Pat is just not at that level from an IQ point of view, like if he hasn't reached that level of maturity to understand the game, like, okay, fine. But then that changes how we should be feeling about Pat Williams, the the, the prospect, at least in year three, and what that means from a potential scope for the Bulls. Like, it's all well and good to wanting to to pair Pat with Dragic because maybe Dragic gets the bat the best out of Pat. And look, we don't even know if that's true to be honest with you because Dragic and Pat have only played one one half of basketball together, and, and Dragic has only played two games uh, thus far in preseason. One he was terrible, and one he looked fine. And so we we don't even know if he's going to be a, a dependable player in the rotation that Dragic that is. So like, yeah, he might we'll, not. We'll, be. We'll, we'll see. But like, I, I guess. I, I take issue with some of that's not not with you because you know what you're not with you the person but the points that you're raising like other players are making it work I guess if Javante can find ways to coexist with these guys and and play in the corners whether they're whether that is a, as a, a jump shooter or cutting off ball those sorts of things I'm like why can't Patrick Williams do that similarly like if if Patty's in the second unit to connect with someone else who can, um, you know, put him in the right positions. Like, I don't think Damar, Zach, or Vooch are unwilling passers. I don't think they're guys that won't put you in a position to succeed. Like, we talked about Vooch before, how he's found connections with guys all over the court, whether it's he, he and I have had a, a a good two-man game. Him and Javante have had a good two-man game. Him and Kobe, when... Uh, Vooch initially came over, found a way to have a good two-man game. So, like, you've got good good and willing passers on this team who can help you get into position, but you need to be willing to get into position. And I, I don't just think he's willing to do that more generally. But, like, I guess my broader point is, like, if, if Patty's going back into the second unit to help build him up, essentially, then ultimately you're hoping he can build up into someone who can close games and in that situation, though, he will be closing games with Demar, Levine, and Vooch. But what we're saying here is, for whatever reason, he can't play with those three guys. So, like, even if he is being built up in that second unit, what gives us any confidence that he can come back into that first unit and play with those three guys if, for whatever reason, like, he just seemingly can't do that? Like, I, I, that's the part that I've got to disconnect on. Yeah, and I think I think you're right. I think it's both of those things. Uh, I don't... 
I guess I'm at a point right now where I've kind of like what I said with Lonzo, like I'm at a point where I kind of am prepared to go through the season where Pat is not a major contributor. Mm. The the part about it that's disappointing for me is that is what you said is that he can't find a way to be a good role player. Like you don't need to do that much. You just need to be athletic, which you are. You need to cut, which you can do because everybody can do it and you need to defend for some reason. That part of it is not working and I don't really have an answer to that, but I do think he needs to build some confidence in some ways. And I think that playing in less high leverage moments might help there. Um, Mm. But I, but all that to say is like, yeah, I I agree with you. And I'm not sure he's going to be at that point where, um, where he's able to like, you know, play high minutes in like a, in a playoff game or something like that. Cause he's just, he's not that good right now. And I'm not writing him off, but I do think it's hard to imagine based on the way he's played a scenario where he's contributing at a high level this season. Um, I was already kind of like at that point where I just wasn't sure. Obviously I hope, and it's not like it's been three preseason games. It's not like his season is over by any means, but I do think by just pulling back on the expectations a little and letting him play in some just easier minutes, some lower leverage minutes, I think might help him a little bit. And maybe it helps him in so far as like he's a second or first option in some of those bench units, he'll still need to figure out, as you said, how to play as a third or fourth or fifth option, because that's how he's going to get on the floor during important minutes. But um, I I think those are different skills. To me, it should be easier to pick up on the role player skills because that's an easier role to play. But for some reason that's not working. So I think they just need to, they need to try something else. Like, I don't think you can keep jamming a square peg into a round hole with him because it's not working. Well, let's talk about his role in the in the second unit because the, the assumption is that he goes into the second unit because he's Patrick Williams. Um, maybe he has a little bit more gravitas in the second unit. Maybe he gets more of an opportunity to do things he wouldn't otherwise do in, that, in the first unit when he's playing next to Levine, DeMar, Virch, those sorts of things. I, I don't know if I fully believe that. And this is maybe coming back to who Pat is as a player, his mentality. Um, he was very, you know, after after he did get benched, in after the uh, the Nuggets game, he he obviously spoke at length to the media. You were there. I liked what he said in in a vacuum, but at the same time, I kind of also hated it because I, I love the fact that he is such a team guy, but he's almost too team oriented, too selfless to the point where it, I wonder if it's selfish at this point. Like it is very Wendell esque in that in that sense. But like, w- what makes you think? Why should we have confidence that Pat in the second unit is going to be a first or second option? Like, if I think about this, the second unit, like, Dragic is probably going to be leading that. It remains to be seen if DeRozan will be playing in the second unit. Like, Billy's been throwing around his rotation thus far. Like, in games two and three, we haven't seen DeMar leading the second unit. We saw that in the first game, which was very representative to what they did last season. So, we'll see what happens when DeMar plays four minutes, whether he's getting minutes in that second unit. Um, obviously, you've got Kobe in there, Io running through there, Caruso. So my point is, like, that second unit is going to feature a lot of guys who can get on ball. So why why should I be feeling confident that Pat in that second unit is actually going to be a first or second option when he's more than comfortable sort of letting others in that first unit be the guys they create? Then maybe that carries over in the second unit too. And I guess my question is, like, have you noticed him? He's been maybe a little bit more aggressive 
getting a, a few more jumpers than he otherwise would have. But have you seen anything from him in these two preseason games when he's come off the bench that indicates that he can do some more stuff or he's been getting more of an opportunity to do stuff within that second unit? Um, I want to read a quote for for you from Patrick after the game. He said, uh, after, when being asked about what the benching felt like and why he was benched and whatever. He said, a lot of times in the first unit with Zach and Damar, they're all-stars. So I feel like the team feels like it's for the best shot, the ball should be in their hands. They're all-stars. To play with them is to kind of help them get in a groove. When they play better, we play better. The second group, it's just whoever has it, whoever's hot. So, And I think that tracks with what we saw tonight. The second unit was just like flying up and down, making plays. Javante was in there. Derek Jones was playing center. They were just like getting up and down. I thought Kobe had a really nice game and I was in there like it's a different brand of basketball. And I don't think Patrick wants to play in that first unit. To me, what he said was, I'm happy to be on the bench. I I don't want to just stand around. There. I mean, they weren't his words, but that was my read on it was like, I don't want to stand in the corner and wait for the ball to be kicked to me to make a shot that I don't like taking. And like, is that great? No, he should be able to do that. He should be able to cut and just watch Javante green tape and do that. Cause that's what mm-hmm. the bulls need, but they have Javante to do that. And I think Patrick is just a different brand of player and he feels comfortable doing different things. And that second unit, I think in a best case scenario is not playing the same brand of basketball. All these minutes aren't the same high leverage minutes that you're going to get to close a game where DeMar's going to have the ball in his hands. This is not like necessarily going to be that heliocentric spread pick and roll style game that I think makes most sense around DeMar. I don't think Patrick is ready for that. And I think that's okay as long as they recognize that and try to put him in situations where he can do some more stuff. It's the same thing with Vooch. If you're just asking him to stand at the top of the key, whether or not he's a good passer, whether or not he can shoot, if he feels claustrophobic there and he doesn't feel like he's able to put his skills on display and he feels like anytime he messes up, he's just going to be asked to do the same thing again and not be able to like stretch his game and show you the other stuff that he's good at, he's going to feel bottled up. And I think that's what happened with him. And I think it's potentially what's happening with Patrick. I don't think Patrick is as bad as he has been the last few nights. I don't think he is like better than Javante right now, though. And so they just, like I said, they need to try something different with him because what they've done is not working. And I'm hopeful that in this faster paced, more like younger and athletic sort of run and gun style, he can sort of do something because he just, he hasn't been able to do anything. And part of that's on him, but I think part of it's also on just the the style of play. <sighs> yeah. I don't know. He, I'm really frustrated by this topic. Uh, I could bang on about it for another two hours, but I won't obviously, but uh, yeah, look, I'll stop here because this is not a topic that's going away. Patrick Williams in year three, this is going to be a massive storyline throughout the year, unless he changes it, I guess. And then if he does, it will remain a a massive storyline for the better. But thus far, at least, um, it has not been what I expected. I didn't have high expectations for Pat coming into year three. All I wanted him was to be a good and adequate role guy with the starters. But if he's proving that he can't do that and he's losing his job to Javante Green, who I love, like I said, but with respect to Javante, who's a 29-year-old journeyman who's on a vet minimum contract, like, yeah, this is bad. This is bad. But nonetheless, can I tell you something 
that's good, William. Can I tell you something about something that's good? Cheer me up, because I don't think it's great either. Well, look, I, I wanted to give <laughs> I wanted to give our friends uh, at, at Pins and Aces a real good ad read here. Not that I ever give anyone good ad reads, but nonetheless, uh, I've, got, I've got to find a way to pump myself up here. But for, for, for anyone who doesn't know who Pins and Aces is, they are our official golf apparel partner for CHGO. We love our Pins and Aces gear and get tons of confidence on and off the course. I'm not a big golfer, Will, but I wear my pins, pins and Aces gear around town and can I just tell you about the number of compliments I get just, just by walking around in my golf gear, my pins and aces golf gear? It's astonishing how many compliments I get all every day. And I'm sure that's the case for you too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Loading up wow. on pins and aces. Seriously. Well, see, the, the thing I love most about pins and aces, they are a family-owned golf and apparel business. That's what I love about it. They make amazing polos, hats, golf bags, and most importantly, they've even got our favorite beer sleeve, an innovative product that allows you to store not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, but up to seven beers right inside your golf bag. Seven, that magic number that uh, my friend C. Red Fred loves. That's, that Maybe that's what the prophecy is all about, storing seven beers right inside your golf bag. And, and why would you not want to do that? Because it keeps your drinks ice cold the entire 18 uh, holes that you're playing. So check out pinsandaces.com. Use promo code CHGO to receive 15% off your first order and get free shipping. That's pinsandaces.com, promo code CHGO for 15% off your first order. All right. Now, we've been banging on here for for a little while, William. So maybe we close the podcast with uh, a few um, quick quick thoughts, some quick-fire topics on some other things that we've noticed through three preseason games. I want to start with this one, and I'll throw it to you because I know you've made reference to it, but does Zach Levine look right to you? No, he does not. Um, I think he is pretty clearly still playing his way into shape. And I'll say this. He has said a number of times that he did not play five-on-five until training camp started. He obviously had the procedure on his knee, same one that Lonzo had, uh, in at some point during the summer and had not played full court five on five until training camp. So it doesn't really surprise me that he is not looking at his best right now. Um, I think in contrast to Vooch and Damar, who are both playing at the levels that I think we'd like from them, um, it does maybe look a little bit worse. But to me, he's still playing his way into shape, and that might take a little while, but I'm not really worried about him longer term. Yeah, I agree. Uh, on, on, on all fronts, he, he certainly hasn't uh, been the old Zach Levine. I think there's been moments when he has looked like the old Zach Levine. But to your point, the dude had knee surgery, hasn't hasn't been uh, ramping up at the same the same rate as as Demar has in, in in the off season. So it's it's part of the course, I guess. It should be our expectation for him to to be using this time now to to really get right. So not a concern, but it's something to note, I guess. Uh, another topic, like I, I referenced the fact that I expected to be talking to you a ton about the point guard situation and the fact that we've barely even mentioned it this off season, so and weird. maybe we haven't, or maybe we haven't mentioned it during preseason because the, the whole power forward thing is taken, uh, you know, front of stage. But nonetheless, at the same time, I, I was thinking about it, like maybe we're just not mentioning it because the Bulls are actually getting adequate and good guard play. Like Io has been starting every game. He's done a, pretty damn good job like he's he started and played three very good games caruso off the bench just done typical caruso stuff 
uh, Dragic, as I mentioned before, game one was was bad, but his second game I thought was really good. But you know, even Kobe as well as an additional ball handler out there, he he's had a really strong preseason too. So I guess my question is like, have we have the Bulls not we, but have the Bulls you know done a really good adequate job in replacing Lonzo Ball thus far? No, I mean you can't really replace him as we've talked about. I mean maybe it's just semantics, but like I don't think they're going to be able to do that. Like they're I think they're trying to compensate for it in ways that I'm not necessarily crazy about. Like I think they're trying to to play to Lonzo's strengths now even more and they still don't have Lonzo. So it's a little funky to me in that way. But I think Io has uh, acquitted himself well. He's obviously not like as dynamic as Lonzo, but I like the way that he's getting up and down clearly an emphasis in the way that he's played. Um, the, the low volume threes is what it is, but I think he's, he's looking more comfortable out there sort of organizing sets and getting the ball in and then going into whatever action it is. So I, where I, I made this point on, uh, on our post game show, but like, whereas I think the best way to develop Patrick may not be with that starting group. I think the best way to develop IO is with that starting group. And I think they are just like gelling well together. Um, and I think you have to credit IO there, but I think it's just sort of a, a synergistic thing where his skill set sort of is more conducive to fitting with Zach and Amar and Booch. Well, see, I, I, I kind of disagree with you. Like, I actually think they've done a really good job in replacing Lonzo and, and making up for Lonzo and maybe that is semantics but like if you think about the three main things we we're going to lose with with uh, Lonzo's absence three-point volume uh, transition opportunities or transition points and defense point of attack defense I think on the latter two they've done pretty damn good job like there's no way really to maybe uh, replace Lonzo's three-point attempt rate from the point guard position Um not to suggest the Bulls have been a high three-point attempt rate team in preseason because they certainly haven't. Um, so that, that's a trend that maintains from last season. And even with when Lonzo played, they were, they were, they were second last in three-point attempt rate anyway. But I think they've done a really good job in terms of creating opportunities in transition. And I think their defense, at least in the last two games, has been respectable. So against the Pelicans, the Bulls had uh, 25 fast break points. Against the Nuggets, 23. Against the Raptors, uh, 24 fast break points. So they've been able to create points in transition, points off fast breaks. And I, I just think that with them closing possessions with better defense, as we've seen, we talked about Vooch being better on defense, but I think Zach's even played some good defensive possessions in preseason thus far. At point guard with Ion Caruso running through there, they've got essentially 48 minutes of good point guard defense. Like they've finished more possessions with, with stops, which has led guys like Kobe and Dragic and, and even Io and Caruso, to be fair, like getting out in transition and pushing the ball. And I think that's been really interesting in the fact that they've still been able to create in transition without Lonzo. Now, again, remains to be seen if this transfers over into the regular season. But at the moment, they're scoring nearly 25%, 20 to 25% of their offense is coming via fast breaks in, in preseason. It's maybe a little bit less than that. I'm, I'm doing the math off the top of my head. So it's probably close, closer to 20%. But nonetheless, like they're still scoring a good chunk of their offense from there. So that's really encouraging. Uh, I didn't expect that to be the case. I thought the transition game would disappear some, but at the moment, at least it's, uh, it's looking quite fruitful. So I, I just wanted to shout out the Bulls guards, to be honest with you, because 
the, the way they've been able to, if, if they're not, if they're not grabbing and going themselves, then whoever's grabbing the rebound, whether it's, uh, you know, Vooch, Drummond, whoever it may be, they're, they're getting it to the guys straight away. And Dragic, Kobe, Io, like they've been pushing the tempo every single time they have uh, an opportunity to, to do so, whether it's off misses or to be frank, there's even been occasions in that Nuggets game where they're, they're pushing the ball and getting into the, into the, uh, the Nuggets front court quicker than the Nuggets were. And, and the Bulls were scoring after a Nuggets make. So, I've actually liked the way they've pushed the tempo thus far in preseason. If, if they carry that over, then um, I think they can do a lot of things to replace Lonzo. So I, I think it's going well. Yeah, I mean, they're certainly getting out way more than they did after Lonzo went down last year. So I don't mean to say that, like, yeah, I, I think it's more just semantics of, like, they can't really replace Lonzo, but I, I understand what they're trying to do. I think the other thing you have to shout out there is, like, the defense. I don't have the numbers. Maybe I'm totally wrong in saying this, but, like, the eye test to me has been more live ball turnovers, which lead to those runouts. And, you know, especially when you get into those, those non Damar and Zach units where like Caruso and IO uh, and, you know, Patrick or Dalen Terry, who's been great. Like they're just getting their hand all over passing lanes and tipping the ball away and just getting out and running. And I think that has been awesome. Like they need to figure out ways to score when Damar is not, so, so that DeMar doesn't have to do everything by himself. I would say the area of concern for me is like the, is more the half court. And I, I think that's where yeah. they have not really figured out how to replace Lonzo because mm-hmm. Lonzo, obviously just like the standstill shooting is super important, but the ball movement, the quick decisions, um, the way that he just like keeps everything buzzing on offense in the half court specifically is something that I don't think that they've fully figured out how to replicate and they've shot the ball really well um i think they were like 40 or even 50 45 percent in some of these games um if not all of them but still on this low volume and to me that just screams first half of last year where everybody was shooting 50 percent from the corners and Derek jones was a 40 percent three-point shooter and javante was 45 in the corners and io was 40 percent and then all of a sudden everybody fell off but i just worry that this is the same story that we saw last year. And if they don't find a way to replicate some of that, whether or not it's the three point shot, but like just the ability to create easier offense in the half court, I think that is the area where I still feel Lonzo a lot. And then obviously the defensive end where you're just, you're simply not going to be able to replace that. Well, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't disagree, but I think, um, like I said, I just haven't been worried too much about the point guard position thus far, and, and maybe that's because I've totally. been putting way more, way more energy in the power forward situ- situation. But um, I've been pleasantly surprised with how the Bulls have handled it thus far, which maybe I shouldn't have been because I have been banging the drum all off season that I think the Bulls can do a better job in replacing Lonzo than maybe what some think. So maybe this is me tooting my horn here, William, and saying. I was right. I told you so. Based on three preseason games, I was right. But nonetheless, you mentioned someone there that we haven't talked about in, uh, at all on the podcast, there, but we have to maybe close with him is Dalen Terry. Uh, he's been pretty damn good in the in the minutes he has played. Not a lot of minutes, to be fair, against second and third units, but every time he has stepped on the court, you have noticed he's there, found a way to influence the game on every single possession he's played. He's the anti-Pat Williams in a lot of ways. Sorry, Pat, but that's just the truth. What have you made about Daniel and Terry thus far? And do you foresee him getting actual minutes when it matters? Like, is, is this still going to play himself in the rotation? My instinct is to say no, because someone has to fall out of it for him to come in. But 
I know a lot of Bulls fans want him in there, but can he get in there? And if he does, for, for who? I think we're a ways away from that. Um, as well as he's played, I do – I just – I don't know how much the Bulls are going to rely on these five full bench unit guys like running up and down with the youth movement uh, just like coming in behind the starters. So – I think there will be, I mean, maybe they do that. It seems like they have like a sort of a different identity when they do that. And maybe Billy is into that sort of thing. Um, I also don't know if you can afford to play DeMar 25 minutes a night the way that they have been. So my guess is that it will be, you know, spot minutes here and there. Um, they're going to have to trim down the rotation. I think they're at nine tonight, but Dragic didn't play, obviously. And I think he'll be a part of the rotation for better or worse. Uh, I think we're a ways away from seeing Dalen, although I think he's been awesome. I think he's proven to me that he will be a player, whereas some other forwards on the team, you know, maybe maybe they have not. But I think Dalen, yes, <laughs> that's who I was alluding to. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Mark uh, Mark of the podcast here, but um, yeah, I mean, he's got clear NBA skills, and he's putting them on display. I think he needs to learn the game a little bit better. I think he needs to incubate a little bit, but I think I think he'll be a player. I'm not sure when, but maybe at some point in the second half of this year, if an injury hits or something like that, he'll definitely be on the short list because he's just providing everything that you want out of Lonzo minus the shooting, right? Like the defense is there. He's getting live dribble or live ball turnovers. He's getting out in transition. He's finishing in transition. Um, he's a great passer. He's a great ball mover in, in the half court. I just think he's he does do a lot of the stuff that Alonso does. And if he can figure out a way to develop the jumper and just get some more experience, I think he could certainly be a rotation guy, but maybe down the line more so than right now. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, last one, Andre Drummond, three-point specialist? Yeah, I mean, the Bulls apparently didn't uh, address their <laughs> shooting issue in the offseason, but Andre maybe Drummond might have something to say about that. He was three for three tonight. Um that's pretty insane. I think he's made like three career threes, so I'm not putting too much stock into it. Uh, I don't know if he'll be allowed to shoot that many threes, but yeah, I mean, yeah. he's he he's had his moments for sure, but he's also looked pretty bad in other moments. I think they're still trying to figure out how to how to deal with him and like what what works because, like as I said, they're trying to move Vooch to the corners and like you can't put Andre Drummond in the corner. So well, they have uh, been. That's the irony. Like with Pat in the second unit, they've tried to get Pat more involved in in pick and roll and him being used as a screener. And if you're doing that, like then Drummond is sitting in the corner. So like I, I take your point that maybe it's not the best use of Drummond, but like that that's what I mean, they have been doing on occasion too. True. Well, we'll see. I mean, stranger things have happened. Um, I, like we said, well, I didn't expect Patrick Williams to be a backup power forward, but um, I also didn't expect Andre Drummond to be the greatest three-point shooter of all time, and maybe he will be. We'll, uh, time will tell. We've got one more preseason game, Bulls versus Bucks. What, what day is that in, in, in the U.S.? I think it's on a Tuesday. It's on a Wednesday it's for Tuesday, me. It's Tuesday, yeah. Tuesday. Is it, is it at the United Center, William? Will you be there? I will be there. There you go. So, obviously, Bulls fans, keep you know, keep following Will Gottlieb. I was going to say at won't go leave. That's, that's not true anymore. That's what no. the screen I'm looking at says that, but it's not necessarily that the case anymore. It's at will underscore got leave. Oh yeah, I got to change that. Yeah, you've got. You definitely got to change it. I was about to read it um, as as it once was, but unfortunately, it's no longer at won't got leave. At will underscore got leave. If you want to follow Will for all of these bulls takes, uh, obviously for all these post game thoughts, 
uh, whether in written form, whether in tweets, obviously f- to follow Will to, to understand when he's on the podcast, all that sort of stuff, follow him at, at Will underscore Gottlieb. I'm at MK Hoops. Obviously follow us at CHGO underscore Bulls. Matt, Dave, and William will be back. Is it Tuesday to, to give you a preview of Bulls versus Bucks? And obviously a Tuesday uh, post game live. Well. There you go. So the guys will be back very soon. But William, thank you for joining me today. Uh, and thank you listeners for joining us here on CHGO Bulls podcast. Like I said, we'll be back on Tuesday. Thanks for tuning in. And hopefully the Bulls close preseason with a nice tasty win against those freaking Bucks. Let's see how it goes. Uh, but until then, speak soon, Bulls fans. <laughs>